0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Um, today we come to our ninth table in our sermon series. We've been looking at the, the ten tables that Jesus sits at in Luke's gospel. And we've been doing this so that we could learn more about who Jesus is our vision statement for church at the well is is pretty simple it's to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did and we recognize that in order to become like Jesus we first have to find out who he is and one of the ways that Jesus revealed himself in fact for some reason he often chose to reveal himself this way was at tables Um, Probably because eating is something that we do on a regular basis. It's it's common. It's ordinary. It's an everyday event for us. Some more than others, right? We love to to eat and and sit at tables. And so when Luke wrote this gospel, he made sure to include these 10 table stories. Because tables were, were often the place where where Jesus revealed himself. And, and really, it's a gift to us because it shows us how Jesus loves to meet us in the ordinary, everyday, mundane places of life. right? Sometimes, we, as, as Christians, we, we look for the miraculous places for Jesus to show up, and Jesus definitely does that for us. right? He's a God of miracles. But he also loves to meet us in the ordinary, in the common. And, and so Luke makes it a point to... to put these 10 tables in his gospel. We've looked at eight of these tables already. We have two left before we finish our sermon series. And and both of them take place after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And so these last two tables that we're going to look at, one today and one next week, um, involve a resurrected Jesus, eating. And that gives me hope too because I want to eat even in heaven, right? I want I really like it. Um, and the table we're going to look at today involves two unsuspecting friends of Jesus who are battling disillusionment and dealing with grief. And unbeknownst to them, they end up inviting the resurrected Jesus to dinner. And so we're going to turn to Luke chapter 24 and we're going to start in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them we're going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? So here, here we find two disciples of Jesus, two of Jesus' friends. They're on a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which was probably uh, their, their hometown. And it wasn't any ordinary walk. We're told that their hearts are heavy They're troubled, right? They're discouraged. They're disappointed. They're deeply saddened by the recent events that they've experienced and lived through because their rabbi and their friend, Jesus, who they also believe to be the Messiah, had been brutally executed three days previous. And they're processing that. They're they're not only grieving the loss of their friend. um, they're, They're battling the horrific images of the crucifixion. As you can imagine, seeing a friend have to, to suffer that. Um, and, and more than that, their hopes and their dreams of Jesus liberating them from Roman oppression had come crashing down. And they're processing all of that. And, and even though there were rumors circulating that morning on the third day after his crucifixion that Jesus had risen from the dead, they're having a really difficult time mustering up enough hope to believe it, right? They've become cynical, and not the good kind of cynical. You know, there's a good kind of cynical where we seek truth, right? That's a good cynicism. But there's also a bad cynicism, a, a, a type of cynicism that, that we retreat to to protect ourselves from disappointment. And that's the road these two are on. They, they've heard the rumor, but they, they just they, they can't get there. And so they're going back to what they know. They're going back home. And, and I, I know this, and I, I think it's safe to say this for you, not just for me, that, that all of us, at one point or another, have hoped for something to materialize and, and had it all collapse on us, right? We've all had aspirations, dreams, hopes that something was going to happen, and then it didn't. And, and if we're not careful, we too can, can become hesitant to hope for anything else because it hurt too much the last time we did that. And that's that's the road that these two are on. Um, and as they're traveling and they're, they're trying to figure out where everything went wrong, they're trying to, to put the pieces together, the resurrected Jesus comes up beside them, and they don't recognize him, and he starts walking with them. And, and they do, they, again, they don't know who, who it is. They're unaware. And, and I think there's also a lesson here for us, because because sometimes... When, when you and I are journeying through sadness, when we're journeying through loss, when we're journeying through sorrow and grief, it can be really hard to recognize that Jesus is with us. Amen? Right? Like, like Disappointment has a way of blinding us to God's presence. And Jesus here, I love this, he engages with them, and he asks them what they're talking about. And it says this, they stop walking with their faces downcast. And one of them, one of these two disciples named Cleopas, gets snippy. (laughs) He doesn't know it's Jesus, but he gets snippy. He says, are you the only one who doesn't know? Are you clueless? What is wrong with you? And I know that um, sometimes we get agitated and ornery, right, when we're upset about things. Probably nobody here, but we know somebody who who gets that way when things don't turn out the way they want. It, but Jesus doesn't take offense. He he just kind of sets in that place and he continues the conversation. Verse nineteen. Jesus said, "What things?" He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. They they say to Jesus, not knowing it's Jesus, we had hoped he was the one, but they killed him. So he's not. And everything we've been following for the last three years, everything we've 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 given and invested in, it, it just it didn't materialize. And I want to pause here f- for just a few moments to tell you a couple reasons why I love this part of the story. Um, one, I love that Jesus didn't reveal Himself right away. I think if 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 that were me, I'd be like, "Oh, guys, no, look, it's me. Don't be sad." Because we don't like, we feel uncomfortable, right? When, when people are, are grieving and they're in sorrow, we feel uncomfortable, we want to le- alleviate all that. But Jesus is like, no, we need to just be here for a minute. You guys need to unload your burdens. And he doesn't just jump in, he's not in a rush. It's almost as if Jesus wants to spend time with them and he wants to hear what's happening in their hearts and in their lives. And it's not that he doesn't already know. He knows what's going on. But he wants to hear them share it in their own words. And and I think this this can tell us a lot about prayer, right? Because sometimes you and I convince ourselves that it's silly to pray to God about things he already knows about. Like, God, I got this going on in my life, and this is going on in the world and I'm carrying this burden, but God already knows about it. Why why bother? Well, what if he just likes to spend time with you? What if he just likes to hear in your own words what's going on in your life, what burdens you're carrying? Another reason I I love this part of the story is some of the very first people, this this happened on the day of his resurrection, And some of the very first people Jesus went to see after his resurrection were Cleopas and this unnamed companion. Now, early church historians, a lot of them believe that that Cleopas' companion could have been his wife Mary. Um, In the Gospel of John, we're told that one of the women at the cross who witnessed Jesus die was named Mary the wife of Clopas, which is another... Spelling of Cleopas. So we don't know for certain, but it's possible that this companion could could have been his wife. We don't know. One thing we can be certain about is that these two were not the A list disciples. (laughs) They were not Peter, James, and John. They weren't even like down the list of the 12, they weren't even on the list of the 12. They didn't read any of the Bible like the other disciples did. We don't read about them planting any churches. In fact, we don't read about them anymore after this story. And I think that's fascinating. Because Jesus seeks them out on the day of his resurrection, even before seeking out the more important disciples. Because Jesus doesn't care about their resume. Right, he cares about them. He, he sees them walking this weary path, and he says, these two need some good news. Peter, James, John, they, they can wait. These two right here, my friends, need some good news. And I love that about Jesus. I love that for him it's not about who's important or accomplished or impressive. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. Right, He cares about Cleopas and his companion, because they're discouraged, they're distressed, and they're in need of some good news. And then Jesus does something even more surprising to me and fascinating to me. He completes this seven-mile walk with them, and he still hasn't revealed who he is. And he walks. Have you ever walked seven miles? (laughs) That's a long time. And and here's Jesus in resurrected form. He's got all these things to do, all these people to see. And, and he said, no, I'm just going to hang out with you. Well, let's just walk. And for seven miles, he walks with them. Luke 24, verse 27 says this. This is what he did during the walk. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Sometimes when I, when I read stories like this in scripture, there, I, I tell myself, oh, I need to hear this sermon. I need to see this movie. I need to hear this sermon by Jesus. When I get to heaven, this is on I'm, I'm the top of my list. Like Jesus opened up the scriptures from the book of Moses to the prophets and, and, and explained how it all pointed to himself. I have to hear that. I have to hear how, like, you can imagine Jesus saying, hey, when, when Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar, it was pointing to me. And, and when Moses introduced the priesthood, it was pointing to me. And when David wrote Psalm 22, it was pointing to me. And when the prophet Isaiah talked about a suffering servant who was going to come, it was pointing to me. It, see, the Bible all points to Jesus. And Jesus lays it out for these two friends because he knows they need hope. He knows they need encouragement. And their hearts, we're told, are burning within them while Jesus is talking. Verse 32 says, "We're not our hearts burning within us as we were walking with him on the road? And he opened up the scriptures to us. And they're sensing something special is happening. They have a feeling that something special is happening, even though they can't put their finger on it. And when they finally arrive at Emmaus, here's what happens. Verse 28, Luke chapter 24, verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, again, we think it's their hometown, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now there is a lot of curious things going on in these verses. Right? Um, One, how were their eyes immediately opened? Again, I want to see this. See this one day. Was it it the way Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks and gave it to him? Maybe it reminded them of how he fed the 5,000. Right, because he also did this. We we read about that table in Luke's gospel. How he also Jesus did the same thing. He took bread, broke it, gave thanks for it, gave it to them. Maybe it's the way he did it was like, oh, it's him. I I, we don't know, but I but I find it curious. What I find even more, more curious is this: that when they arrived at the place they were staying, Jesus kept walking as if he was going somewhere else. I just think that's strange. Why would Jesus do that? He, he kept walking. He walked seven miles with them, not revealing who he was. And when they get to the place, they stop, like, hey, we're here. And Jesus keeps walking, as if he's going somewhere else. And he doesn't stop walking until they invite him to join them. And I think that tells us something about who Jesus is. I got a painting to show you. This painting is from William Hunt. who was an English painter in the 1800s. And he made this painting called Light of the World, and it's Jesus knocking on a door. And I want you to notice something about the painting, is that the outside of the door doesn't have a door handle on it. And the reason it doesn't have a door handle on it is because Hunt wanted to show how how Jesus is always knocking on the door of our lives but he refuses to barge in. And so the door can only be opened from the inside. Right? And and what William Hunt was trying to portray in this painting is that, that Jesus waits for our invitation. He won't force his way into our lives. Right? He waits. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I once heard somebody tell me that God could find them if he wants to. I was having a conversation with a friend at work one day when I, not this job, a different job that I worked. Although it would be interesting if, if that happened at this job. And, and the person told me, if God wants to find me, he knows where I am. And I think that's true. I suppose that's true. But I also know this, that he's not going to come in unless he's invited. And there's something about Jesus that we learn from this story here that we see him knocking and wanting to be with us, but we have to invite him in. See, in this story, he's about to walk on by. And he doesn't stop until the friends say stay with us. So I want to submit to you, in closing today, I want to submit to you four things that I think we can learn about Jesus from this table. The first thing is this, that Jesus wants to come alongside of us in our sorrow and our grief and our loss, even if we don't recognize he's there. He wants to do that for us. And so maybe... there's somebody here today who, who like, your experience, you're walking in sorrow and grief. You're walking in a sense of loss. You don't even recognize Jesus is with you. Guess what? He's with you, and he wants to be with you. He'll walk that with you. And, and, and he might not reveal himself right away, but that's something we can learn about Jesus in this passage. Another thing we can learn about Jesus at this table story is that Jesus enjoys listening to us, He wants to hear us share what's going on in our heart, in our minds, in our lives. And he wants to hear it in our own words. He already knows it. but He wants to hear it in our words because he's relational. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to to give us that space where we can unload our burdens. The third thing we can learn about Jesus from this table is he wants to help us see our own story wrapped up in his story. One thing that I love about this passage is as Jesus is walking with them, and um, Lydia referred to this when we were, doing, when we were singing worship songs today uh, in between one of the songs, that while they're walking, Jesus opens up the scriptures. And he, he's saying, hey, this is God's story, but guess what? You're part of it. Your story is part of his story. I love that Jesus did that. And the fourth thing that we can learn about Jesus from this table is that he will not force his way into our lives. I'll say it this way. Jesus is a gentleman. (laughs) He's he's not going to barge into our lives. He he values invitation. Right? And then, the thing that, that it's not one of the four things, but it's the thing that I love most about this passage, (laughs) is that Jesus wants to meet us in the ordinary, everyday places of our lives. Just like he meets them at this table. He, he wants to do that for us. And he's not only able to do it, he, he really does want to. And so I wanna pray for us today, um, for all four of these things. I don't know which one of the four that you're saying, oh yeah, I, I, could, I could really use Jesus <laughs> showing up in my life that way. Um, that will be between you and the Lord, but I want to pray for us that we'll at least be open And to seeing him with us. And I'm going to invite the worship team forward. Can you guys stand with me and we'll pray together before we sing our last song? Let's pray. Jesus, we start prayer today just by confessing that we travel this road a lot I, whether we're, we're we're disappointed in in the world that we live in whether we're disappointed in our own lives and the sin and the the chaos that we we have in, internally um, whether it's the disappointment how there are things in our lives that haven't turned out the way that that we had hoped and anticipated. And Lord, uh, there's just been so many times in in my own life that I've walked this road. And there were so many times that I didn't recognize you with, with me, but I know that you are, you were. And I pray for all my friends who are here today that maybe they're finding themselves on that road even this morning. Jesus, would you Walk up beside them. Walk with them. Reveal yourself to them. God, I pray that they would find the the tenacity and the courage to invite you to extend the invitation so that you could reveal who you are and your goodness and that you could bring good news into each one of our lives today. God, everyone here, no matter who they are, we need good news. We need the good news of the gospel, of, of Jesus, of, of what you've provided for us through the cross and the resurrection. We are so much like Cleopas and his unnamed friend. And we thank you that you care about us enough to meet us right here this morning, right now. So God, give us eyes to see. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, so that we could see you and be with you, become like you, learn how to do what you did. And we'll... Do our very best to be attentive, to pay attention, to listen, to see, and to hear. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: I'm going to invite you to remain standing. And as we transition to our final song, I just want to give us a moment to reflect on what Adam has just shared and to prayerfully consider what God might be stirring in our hearts. Um, and so if you feel comfortable and perhaps you want to do this with a hand on the seat in front of you, or you could sit down, I would invite you to close your eyes or you could just simply soften your gaze. Um, and I invite you to picture yourself on a road. Maybe it's a a dusty road in the desert, like one of the disciples were walking uh, to the town of Emmaus, or maybe it's a road that you know right here in Vermont, perhaps a road you walk in Vermont. Picture yourself, if you would, on a road. Let me ask you, what discouragement or sadness or anxiety are you carrying as you walk on this road? What thing are you grappling with that just doesn't make sense and you're trying to work through as you walk down this road? What is the need that you're holding as you walk down this road? You're alone on this road, or maybe you're walking uh, this road with somebody in your life who's in the same position as you and they're in the discouragement and there's not an answer or a, a consolation necessarily that's coming from them. They're in the same place. But as you walk down this road, you realize you're not actually alone. Jesus is walking alongside you, quietly. You don't even notice him at first. Maybe you're thinking about what's going on and you can't even lift your head. But he is with you, and he knows and he cares. And he quietly speaks in a soft and unremarkable voice. And he says, tell me about it. I want to hear more. And so in this moment, what do you want to say in response? Is there one sentence that's rising up in your heart that you would take this moment to say to Jesus in the quiet of your heart? Take this moment to do that knowing that he won't judge you because he loves you and he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your voice. As you continue to walk down this road with Jesus, Will you let this be the beginning of a longer conversation? Will you let your heart burn within you at the story that he is telling? The story that he's inviting you to become a part of or part of in a new way? The story that he's inviting you to call your own? And when you arrive at your destination... And Jesus motions to you that he's going to keep going on. Will you invite him in? Will you invite him to remain with you? Will you invite him to stay? As Jesus revealed himself to the disciples at the table as he broke the bread and gave it to them, will you let Jesus reveal himself to you in his special timing and in his own special way? For if you remain with him, he surely will, as perhaps he has already begun to. Amen. You may open your eyes. Thank you for entering into this space of prayer with me. Um, Let's close with a final song.
0: You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.org.